I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. Episode 75, The Evolution of a Revolution. Grab your tissues, people, because we are about to share a moment. It has been several months since I have put on my podcast shoes. As all of you know, if you've been listening in, I've had a lot of life changes in the past couple of months. I have welcomed a son into the world. I have moved across several states to our new home in Texas. We have bought a house. We've gotten moved in. We're still getting settled. (laughs) And I'm so, so grateful that I've been able to take so much time off um, just to get used to all of these transitions and soak in my little baby bubble. It's been such a powerful experience for me. And I'm really, I'm nervous. (laughs) My heart is beating really fast right now um, to share what I'm going to share with you today. But I'm also really excited. Um, You know, I've had a a lot of amazing experiences the past few months and to start to talk about them as I'm still processing them, um, it feels good. It feels really good. You know, for several months now, I've been keeping some things very sacred and to myself as I've just let them digest and wash over me and really try and unpack what they all mean. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of things that are changing in my life and there's things that are going to be changing with the podcast. There's things that are going to be changing with my coaching practice. And I've started to dip my toe into the deep end and starting to share a little bit more about what these changes are. And, you know, this episode is one that I'm going to be sharing a lot. So if you're tuning in, thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for supporting the Enoughness Revolution. You know, when I first started this podcast, it was really out of a desire to have a conversation about something that I knew we all struggled with, but not a lot of us shared. And my whole goal was to raise awareness and to normalize these feelings of not enough. So that we all know when we're feeling those feelings or when we're having those thoughts or that little or sometimes big inner critic is telling us that we can't or we're not good enough or whatever it is that it's telling us that one, we're not alone because I can promise you we aren't. And two, that that is not our truth. That inner critic's voice is not our soul's truth. And the enoughness work is really coming to know what your truth is. It's coming to know how powerful you are, how capable you are, but most importantly, how worthy you are. So for the past almost year now, I've been having conversation after conversation with amazing people about enoughness and their journey with it. And I'm ready to evolve to that next conversation. So before we get into that, I really want to share with you where this motivation is coming from to evolve to that next conversation. And what I'm getting ready to share is my son's birth story. So 
We had a planned C-section. Um, I had a surgery about 10 years ago where they removed a fibroid tumor from my uterus. And the way that that surgery went, um, doctor after doctor recommended that I have a C-section just for my own safety. Um, and I think the preservation of my body, <laughs> it would be too stressful for me to try and have a, a natural birth. So we knew very early on after getting pregnant that, you know, we were going to have a planned C-section. And, you know, in a way, it was nice because I kind of knew well, as much as you can know <laughs> um, how everything was going to go down. Um, there's also some processing of that, too, of like really kind of releasing the idea of having a, a natural birth and um, you know I, I kind of experienced a little bit of shame around it actually um, not so much from me but from our culture in general um, there's a very strong movement right now with natural parenting and for things to be all natural and so to deviate from that um, you know just had so many people you know ask me well why are you having a c-section <laughs> it's like it's really none of your business why I'm having a C-section. Um, and even after sharing why, people are like, well, you know, you could try for a vaginal birth after C-section. I said, yes, I know that still has not been recommended to me um, by more than three doctors. So right off the bat, um, there's just a lot of emotions to process. But I, I made my peace with it. And so we were all set, you know, I had a perfect pregnancy. Um, besides some morning sickness in the first trimester, um, things were really smooth sailing, like didn't have any blood pressure issues, no, no extra weight gain, like everything was like really, really awesome. So we had to go in and do some pre-op work um, three days before our scheduled delivery. And for pre-op, you basically just, you know, you go in, you bring all your insurance information, you fill out a lot of paperwork, and they get some preliminary tests. And they took my blood pressure and just all the normal stuff that they always do when I go in for a doctor's visit. But for some reason this day, um, my blood pressure was all over the place. And it was just, it was very bizarre, you know. They kept taking it, and it was a different number every single time. And they were like, you know, we're just going to keep you for a couple of hours and just observe you. So <laughs> I'm laying down in this this uh, bed in the hospital, like my blood pressure cuff is going off like every five, 10 minutes and for like two hours and sitting there just watching the numbers on the screen. I'm like, this is so weird. You know, I'm always used to having really healthy blood pressure and it was really all over the place. So it was my heart rate. And so the doctor or the nurse called the doctor and the doctor said, you know what, let's go ahead and have that baby. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening today. And you know, everything started happening really fast after that. Um, I called my parents. Uh, we were in Montgomery, Alabama. That's where we had our son. And I called my parents who were in Charleston, South Carolina. And I was like, we're having the baby today. Like, get in the car. Go on and, and head this way, which is like an eight-hour drive. And luckily, they were all packed and ready to go. And my father-in-law was already here. He had flown in a couple of days earlier um, from Texas. So here we all were. Um, we're at the hospital. Uh, didn't have any of our hospital bags that we had packed or anything like that. And, oh, man, me and my husband were sitting in that room and waiting for the doctor. And I remember just looking at him kind of in disbelief of, like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe we're getting ready to have a baby. I can't believe we're getting ready to meet him. Like, just all of those emotions that come over you when you're 
about to meet a soul that, you know, you've been waiting to meet for 10 months. It's just really surreal. And I remember being nervous um, about getting the epidural and, and putting the IVs in. And, you know, you're just not used to being in a situation like that of being hooked up to stuff. And <sighs> I just remember taking some deep breaths and just looking at my husband and you know, my husband and I, we've, we've had a really strong marriage, um, you know, for, for many years now. And not to say that we haven't had our tough times because we have. Um, but we've really become best friends. And he's, he's my rock <laughs> through anything I've ever gone through. That man is beside me. And he's, he's like my solid oak tree. <laughs> And I remember laying in that bed and looking at him and him looking at me. And it's like everything I needed to know, all the reassurance that I needed at that moment. He said it all without having to say a word. Um, he just sat there holding my hand and just being there with me. You know, sometimes I think the most beautiful moments we share is not when we're trying to fix something. It's just sharing it in it with that person. It's just being there in it with that person, letting them know that they're not alone and that, someone else is there um, just to offer that support and be. <laughs> I think so many times we're always trying to fix something or take away pain or heal something or try and, you know, lessen the emotions that might be going on in a room. But I, I really think <laughs> I know that it's a very big gift to not try and change anything but just to sit with somebody in it. And there we were both like <laughs> scared out of our minds. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, this is getting ready to happen. And you now we had talked about it so many times and here we were. So before I knew it, we were going back to surgery. Getting the epidural was, was scary because they're like, don't move. And I'm like, Oh, what if I move? <laughs> but you know, the doctors and nurses were so great back there. Just, Easy going. The girl that gave me the upper girl, she it was her last day of internship before she graduated grad school. So I'm like, oh God, please don't please don't mess up. Um, but you know, everything went so smooth. So smooth. The the C section was was great. Um, just felt a little bit of pressure as they were pulling my son into the world and you know, seeing my husband become a dad was pretty cool and hearing my son cry and uh, it all just happened so quickly. So, you know, we're getting all of his vitals and I'm hearing his cries. And before I know it, they're wheeling him off to the nursery for a quick second just to do some other tests. And we're going back to the recovery room. And, you know, they're bringing my son to me to nurse for the first time and to have that skin to skin. And it was like... I couldn't believe <laughs> that this was reality. You know, you're still kind of in shock, I think. Um, I know I was. I'm like, I can't believe I'm holding him. I can't believe that he looked like that in my belly. He's like a fully formed human. <laughs> and, you know, my husband's there, and he's just, like, feeling the same thing. We're just like, wow, we're parents. And this little soul, like, this is our son. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> what a responsibility. <laughs> But it was a really beautiful moment, too, um, just to share in as a couple and as friends. And, you know, nursing for the first time is always, I think, it was an experience for me. Um, 
I think to some degree, you know, mother nature just takes over and you kind of know what to do. But at the same time, you have never done it before. So you're like super clumsy about it. And you're like, is this right? Is this how I'm supposed to do it? And, you know, this little baby's looking at you like, I hope you know what you're doing, lady. <laughs> and, you know, that was, that part was really great. Um, I remember the anesthesia started kind of getting to my stomach a little bit, which the doctors tell you about. Sometimes it can make you a little nauseous and I was prepared for that and started puking. My husband's like holding this puke bag to my face while I'm trying to nurse our son. I was like, this is such a mess. But we, that kind of passed and we got settled into our hospital room. And, you know, um, after this point, things kind of get really fuzzy. So for about a couple of hours, I would say, um, puking continued and trying to hold my son and nurse my son and get skin to skin contact with him was so important to me. And I was so sick and it was really hard to try and do like take care of myself and take care of him at the same time. And I remember, um, handing, handing our son off to my husband. And I said, you're just going to take him for a little bit. I can't do this. And, in those moments, um, I feel like I, I made a lot of hard decisions of trying to be well enough to take care of him, but also take care of myself. So I'm not sure how long he was gone. I know that he went to the nursery for quite some time, which was not um, my vision at all. <laughs> and somewhere along those lines, I remember my husband looking at me and he just looked like he had seen a ghost like he was just so scared and I was like what is going on he was like you are so white like you do not look good at all and you know he, he was looking at the heart rate monitor behind me and he was like it's like 180 it's been like that for hours like you're just you're solid just hovering up there and I'm like 180 that's like a full-blown sprint for me and I'm like laying in bed I'm like why is that and I just I remember not feeling good, telling him I didn't feel good. And I was still puking, and I thought that I just, you know, because they don't let you eat, and they don't let you drink anything if you're throwing up. So I was so thirsty. <laughs> Nobody would give me any damn water. And I hadn't eaten since early that morning, so I just thought I was really weak. And, you know, I've never seen my husband that scared. And this is a man that is... Um, so solid. So seeing him that scared and not knowing really what was going on was a pretty terrifying experience for both of us. And I think I must have slept a little bit. I'm not sure exactly how all this happened. Um, I remember the doctor coming in later that night and she was like, I'm going to, um, she's like, you're not clotting very well. And so we have you on a lot of medicine to help you clot. Um, the, the scar from my surgery had created a hemorrhage. And so I was losing a lot of blood, which was why I didn't look good and I didn't feel good. And I didn't have any blood in my face. And, um, I had no idea that this was really going on because I just wasn't with it. So the doctor started removing, um, these baseball sized clots of blood manually from my body and just I remember seeing all this blood on this sheet in front of me 
and my remember seeing my husband and he is just almost in tears. Like he really was scared. I wasn't going to make it. And I really was not with it enough to even have a normal emotional response to any of this. And the doctor said, you know, I'm going to give you one more unit. And I was like, one more unit of what? <laughs> she was like, one more unit of blood. Like I wasn't even aware that I was receiving blood. But that day I ended up getting three units um, to stabilize me. And man, by 11 o'clock that night, my parents still weren't there. I was so emotionally shot. I couldn't remember if I had had skin-to-skin contact with my son. Couldn't remember really if I had nursed him at all that day. And I just remember feeling so out of control. And things had not gone according to plan at all. So the time my mom got there, poor thing, my husband hadn't told them, you know, what was going on because he didn't want them to worry on the car ride down there. It's not like they could have gotten there any faster. And so I remember when my parents got there and they realized it was just a very emotional time for all of us. It was uh, just felt really emotionally spent. But, you know, by the time the next morning arrived, um, I remember waking up really early that morning, like one, one in the morning. And I could hear, like, my husband finally starting to just break down a little bit. He's, like, holding our son and just comforting him and just crying just a little bit. And I woke up and I was like, are you okay? And (laughs) the minute I asked him, he just started, you know, packing it back all in and pulling it together for me like he does. And that's really the last time we talked about it. Um, We had my parents there and his dad was there and nurses and doctors coming in and all hours of the night and all hours of the next day. And, you know, the whole time we're there, it was just people around us all the time. And so uh, we didn't really get any of that alone time as a family to process all of this. And so um, the last day that we were getting ready to leave, uh, my husband had gone and packed the car. That was the first time I'd been in that room alone with my son. And I remember looking over at him, and he was just so tiny. And I just laid in that bed, and he started crying, and just like really releasing all of these emotions that I had been holding um, since giving birth, and just humbling myself. I mean, it's a pretty powerful experience to to bring him into the world. And I just remember thanking God and for just letting me be his mom. <laughs> and so my husband came back to the room and, you know, we had already packed up. I just needed to take a shower before we went home because I kind of wanted to use the hospital shower where there were railings, you know, because I was still really sore and sutured and all that good stuff. So I, I just stripped down and I was getting ready to go in the shower and my husband was just standing there and I realized, like, God, I haven't hugged you since we brought him into the world and I remember wrapping my arms around him and just breaking down, just crying and sobbing. And I hugged him so tight and I felt his tears starting to come down on my shoulder. And we just shared like this moment together where we were crying for what we could have lost, but we were also crying for what we had gained 
And it was probably the most beautiful moment of my life because neither one of us tried to fix it for the other person. We just sat there and felt it together. <laughs> you know, the thing about my husband, he always stays in a hug for as long as I want. It's one of the things I love about him. And he just stood there for minutes upon minutes, just soaking in that moment together. And I don't think I've ever felt so seen or held or loved. I mean, I was butt-ass naked, <laughs> sutured up, as vulnerable as you could be. And I knew that man loved me more than anything in the world. And, you know, when you've really struggled with self-esteem and self-worth a lot of your life, where you have screwed up relationship after relationship, or settled for the wrong relationship just because you were so desperate for somebody to love you. To be in that moment, to be in such a healthy, <laughs> vibrant love like that, it meant so much to me. And it was like one of those moments where so many things come full circle where you realize all of the work that you had done had led you to this moment. And it wouldn't mean a thing if I didn't see myself as worthy of receiving it. <laughs> and, you know, in this moment, I'm asking myself, you know, you are <laughs> it's so obvious that you're enough for this man. You're enough for your son. You're enough in this moment. But what would, what would change in your life? What would you be doing differently if you believed you were enough for you? You know, this whole past year, I've talked about enoughness. And I've led people through the work. I've done my own work. But it's all been about processing a lot of stuff. And I'm grateful for that. But I was wondering, what actions would I be taking if I really, really stood in it? And very quickly, some answers came. <laughs> um, you know, the first answer was like, I would write that book. Like, I've wanted to write a book since I was in high school. Always loved writing. And all the people I admire are writers and authors and making impact with their words. And I've started that book <laughs> seven times, at least. There's a file on my computer. It's titled Book, haha. <laughs> Kind of like a joke of like, yeah, this is never going to happen. And in that moment, I said, it's going to happen. I'm going to write it. It's time. And I also knew that all of these creative ideas that I have, these <laughs> silly dreams, these pipe dreams that I call them. So what if you actually started to believe in them? What if you started to nourish them and love them and give them the attention that they need to flourish? And so I decided, you know, I'm going to create a beautiful life for myself by nurturing the things that really inspire me and get me excited and not so much for them to be successful, but because I just want to follow my curiosity and see what happens and just believe in myself as much as that man standing in front of me believes in me. So that moment was um, a game changer for how I decided I wanted to live my life. And instead of, you know, skirting around the parameters of who I wanted to be, 
I wanted to really step into the arena more so than I had. And that's what this next chapter of my life is. Um, <laughs> it's exploring these creative ideas, not knowing where they're going to lead or why I'm even interested in them, just following them and seeing what happens, being very experimental and embracing my uh, curiosity. So as we move forward, uh, the podcast is going to be taking an evolution along with me <laughs> as life really shifts to have this deeper focus and deeper meaning for me. And I would be so honored for you to continue joining me. Um, our next episode, I'm going to be explaining a little bit more about what you all can expect for season two. And, you know, as I look forward into this next year, I know that it's going to bring so much adjustment and change to my life, but I also know that it's going to bring so much joy in lots of different ways. <laughs> and I just feel, I feel humbled and I feel blessed, but more than anything, I feel loved. So I will see you guys on the next episode on Thursday and we'll talk about season two and we'll begin this journey together. Until then, I hope you know that magic and miracles are surrounding you at all times. And love, <laughs> love is always there for you too.